Hi, this is Brian Courtney. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Short Bus Debate Club. Got Darren Jolly here with me. Hi. <laughs> Just real quick, I wanted to cover uh, something because I, I felt kind of bad that I left them out, and it wasn't on purpose, but... Um, Last time we were talking about voting, and we talked about, you know, Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King and SNCC and all of these people that made sacrifices, but I didn't talk about women and, and the suffrage movement. And they fought long and hard to get voting rights here in the United States. Um, I think from like 18... 80 or 1870 until 1920. Yeah, 1919 and the Constitutional Amendment went through in 1920. Yeah, it's it's a long, long time to be fighting for something like that. And, you know, those those rights are, are still being squandered as far as I'm concerned. But um, I wanted to kind of cover that as a, I don't know, a, a correction of sorts. Um because we do have some others just to mention uh, because we didn't mention them last time. So I'll, I'll let Darren do that. But um, thanks for joining us, and, and we'll get into the topic of, well, strangely enough, sacrifice here in a minute. So quickly with regards to the voting, uh, the numbers that were from the 2020 census, um, when Brian, the, the, the percentages are correct, it's 50, it is 51% for the 18 to 24s. But when he said the 18,000 numbers, uh, the way that the Census Bureau posts those numbers is, is in thousands of, of the numbers. So it's 18,000 thousands, which is 18, 18 million. Um, and then the, the total, of course, uh, that are um, available to register is twice that, which means that, uh, you know, you got 18 million, but 36 million could be participating and are not participating uh, quickly. Um, uh, when we were talking about the, the Reform Party, um, even though Ross Perot was pulled himself out of those elections, he did get a ton of popular vote. He got 18.9% in 92. He got 8.4% in 96. And uh, when they put Pat Buchanan in, uh, he got about 450,000, which ended up being a little bit uh, less than 1%. Um, and then quickly uh, regarding the Roe v. Wade, um, I was using a term. I said, I said, uh, um, that there were policies that were being constructed. I just want to be clear that there was nothing legislative that was being uh, constructed in those spaces. Um, it was just interpretations that developed out of the 14th Amendment, uh, which allowed for um, what the, it's, it's the difference between what, what they call enumerated rights and uh, um, implicit rights. Um, well, it was also, and we talked about it by precedent, yeah. because the Supreme Court said this. Mm -hmm. So it ended up being, again, not not legislative, but by them saying, you know, this this is the way it is. So there's no doubt that the Dobbs ruling opens up a huge can of worms with regards to what 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 can be attacked on the state level in relation to those those precedents and those implicit rights but, or non enumerated rights are. But lots of laws can be created by precedent. So I mean, it was a law by precedent, even though it wasn't in the Constitution. I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, 
I get it. I just wanted like in terms like sometimes, you know, they might come after me for, for saying policy, you know, but of course. Yeah. I mean, that's like that whole activist sports stuff. I mean, of course, when you're making an interpretation, you are constructing a legal, like a concrete legal space, which is essentially creating a policy. But again, we're not lawyers, so we can, I, I just didn't want, you know, anybody coming at me over that, that, that policy comment. So you didn't want the short bus debate club phone number to be lit up with people going, it wasn't policy. What, what, would, <laughs> what would constitute the short bus, short bus debate club phone being lit up? What, 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 what's, uh, how many phone calls would we have to receive at that point in time? I don't know. Five? Five, yeah. Four? I think, uh, three was where three. I was at, but I'll go five, five, five. So. Two? <laughs> One? Okay. So, stuff. so what, are we, what are we talking about today then? Um... So I think because of the fact that we didn't really, you know, go into anything really in depth because we were just kind of talking about voting and, and the fact that people didn't take advantage of it. But um, I think sacrifice is a good topic because, like I said, women sacrificed lots of people in history have sacrificed for one thing or another. And it's not just voting. I mean, it's it's a lot of the things that we take for granted these days. Um, you know, freedom of speech, which is, I don't know if I want to call it freedom of speech anymore, but freedom of speech um, is definitely something that I think is taken for granted. Freedom to assemble, you know, things like that that give us these outlets to where we could tell people they're not doing their jobs correctly to where we could hold them more accountable. And instead we just sit around on our fat asses and, you know, watch football, uh, which is, which is fine. But I think we should watch football while we're trying to hold these people accountable one way or another. Um, so sacrifice is, is the topic, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, you 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 can start in eight, eight, eight million different spaces. I mean, you brought up you brought up the women's women's suffrage suffrage, um, and like like you had suggested, um, at least in terms of time period, that it was uh, rooted in an outgrowth of what had happened um, in the wake of the Civil War. Um, and it's odd how uh, throughout. You have a you have a you have a country that identifies itself as a, a certain political disposition, but at the beginning of those, uh, at the inception of those spaces, there were so many individuals that were rooted in those social spaces that were invisibilized. I mean, the three fifths clause in the Constitution with regards to the slaves, women. Yeah, I mean, you had to be essentially a a wasp, a, well, a propertyed white. A white landowner, essentially, at, at the beginning, to even have a, uh, to even even count. So, well, I mean, really, if you think about it, it's not too far off these days. Um, it, it's just slightly better. But if you were a property landowner back then, you knew how to read, you knew how to write, and you had money. Um, so. I, I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but again, you know, it's it's really about rich and poor. It's a socioeconomic thing, and it probably has been throughout time. But, yeah, um, the 
the three-fifths clause and, and the woman's right to vote, I think that they were tightly, they weren't necessarily the same thing. They, they definitely weren't the same thing, but they were tied together closely. I mean, you know, Frederick Douglass helped with, with women's suffrage. Um, and and they finally got it. Like I said, they they worked long and hard to to get the right to vote. And I didn't mean to interrupt you. I know you had a a, a line of thinking that you were no, trying to I'm go here. down. Carry on, carry on, my good man. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, those those aren't the only sacrifices that I really wanted to talk about. I mean, because there are lots of people throughout the history of, of just our country that have sacrificed one way or another to get things. I don't know. Do you want to call it more civilized? I, I, I don't, I don't hate that. I mean, one of the things that I like fight with myself and this is really because of a friend of ours named Janae. She, uh, she wrote me these letters back in 2016 and 2017 where she talked about the concept of progress. You know, when I think about like historical movement, like that's one, one word that tends to be sort of loaded inside of um, these discussions. But uh, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm always confused or concerned, particularly based on the letters that she sent, um, whether or not these things, whether or not progress is actually something that happens. But at the bottom of, of all of these things that we're sort of hoping and believing is, you know, as, as more people have access, as more uh, different genders, different uh, uh, individuals, people that have essentially been invisibilized by this, the, the the power structures have access, then maybe, you know, maybe we do we do have, I mean, I, I don't hate the word civilize, civilized, <laughs> civilized, except for the fact that it ties to kind of some kinds of modern thinking in relation to the concepts of progress that... Uh, have their own loaded problems, but uh, for for right now, I'll, I'll go I'll go with civilized. Well, I mean, <laughs> even the the Greeks and Romans talked about becoming more civilized or or more civil, you know. And their definitions were real good. Well, not necessarily, <laughs> but I mean, at the time, you know, when you're talking about not having any power or any water that runs, you know, when a dispute may or may not be settled with a fucking knife or a sword. I think that <laughs> they probably used it pretty well back then. <laughs> I mean, because I don't want to go off on too heavy of a thing because we're, you know, this is, this is more about, about, you know, sacrifice and, and struggle on those types of things. Like to be civilized in ancient Greece meant to be Greek, you know, and, and essentially a Greek landowner, right? Like, if you were not Greek, then you were a barbarian, and that's the same thing for Romans. Like if you were not a part of the Roman Empire, like when they when they conquered the Germanic tribes and they pulled them in, then they suddenly had the potential to be, uh, you know, enlightened and civilized and all. Well, that no, because so. I mean, they they owned slaves, mm -hmm. and even if you weren't a slave, you were a freeman, um, or or a pleb. Um, but if you weren't in the the upper echelon, if you weren't in the the Senate, um, or at least a landowner, then then you weren't you didn't really amount to anything. So again, we're not too fucking far off 
from back then. Um, but I use the word civilized because, well, when I was thinking about sacrifice, initially, you know, I was thinking about all of these women that fought for 60 fucking years to get the right to vote, all of the, the black people that, that fought to get the right to vote. But just now when we were talking, I thought about, was his name Will Miranda, who really just ended up sacrificing because of the fact that he was arrested and they didn't read him. Into the Miranda there, Right. There were no rights back then. So he sacrificed something to where he ended up getting a law named after him. And I, I'm not sure. I think he was just a murderer or a rapist or something who probably ended up getting just, off. Just, just a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make sure that you hear that. Well, you know? no, I, I want to make sure to, to not say that he was some kind of fucking hero who sacrificed anything. A liberator, but yeah. it's, it's these little things that... Again, progress probably isn't the right word. I don't know if civilized is because even though they're supposed to read us our rights, our, our Miranda rights when we get arrested, I haven't been read my fucking rights once, ever, when I was arrested. Yeah, how many times have you been uh... <laughs> Sorry. That was a dick move. Sorry. <laughs> Not once. Um, so... I think that they don't even really pay attention to that anymore. And that's where our civil liberties are going down the toilet. And that's why I want, you know, while we still have these powers available to us, the freedom of speech, the right to assemble, you know, even freedom of religion at this point, I think we still have these outlets available to us because of these sacrifices people have made in the past. And I think that we have to utilize them. I, I think that, Again, Martin Luther King, I think he would be pissed if he saw the way that we are just doing nothing. I, I, let's, go, let's go with him for just a second, just, uh, for, just okay. for a moment. Um, so at the end of his, like at the beginning, his, his, his movements were pri primarily rooted in, in civil rights. You know, him, the SCLC, uh, like said SNCC last time, uh, the marches that were going on down there. I mean, it was for, it was for access, but... Towards the end of his life, you know, I mean, to to quote old Zach De La Rocha, you know, when he was down in Memphis for that janitor strike, um, he turned the power to have not the have nots, and then came the came, then came the shot. If you listen to a lot of the speeches that he had at the end of his uh, his life, what he was struggling for, um, and in term in terms of like when I look at him as an individual, and I don't dissociate him from any of, you know, from the Black Panthers, from, from Malcolm X. I just sort of identify them as more sacrifice that were, that were um, located in specific regional spaces that demanded different types of uh, responses to, I mean, it was very different in San Francisco than it was in the, in the South. It was very, and it was very different in Harlem than it was in either one of those other places. So they had to sort of utilize different strategies. But the point is, is that like, if I think about sacrifice and fo focusing just on like political rights or civil liberties, it just seems like uh, 
at the end of, of King's life, he was self-identified socialist, and he he was he became hypercritical of, of capitalism um, because of the way that uh, he didn't feel that uh, poor people had access not just to you know political spaces, but uh, the the things that you need to be able to reproduce your life every day that afford you a certain amount of leisure so that you can spend time going out and you know going to a some sort of like civil action, something, you know, where you, you go into your community and you talk about the problems that are happening from day to day because you actually have the energy to do it because you didn't just work a 14 hour day as a janitor scrubbing floors or, you know, being a, being a maid in a house or, you know, I just, uh, I, I just, I have to see the, the concept of sacrifice, particularly when it comes to those people extending beyond just political uh, access, political access, voting access, things like that. And that's all I have to say about that. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I know that, you know, we have made some, some changes from back then, you know, whether you're a janitor or a coal miner or somebody working in a textile mill, um, things are different, you know, now, there are, are certain mandated things that have to happen if you work so many hours, um, you know, with regard to pay. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't make you work that many hours and, and stay in the mine all day to where you don't want to do anything when you get off of work. But um, there are people in the middle class that are working 40 or, or 60 hours a week that don't do anything. And when I talk about these rights, I'm not saying, you know, that they need to go to all of the rallies or any rallies or that they need to write a hundred letters a day or, or do anything like that. But, you know, some action in my opinion, is better than no action at all. Um, and people disagree with me and, and tell me that I'm fucking crazy, and, and I am, uh, no doubt. But these rights are, are being slowly taken away, and, and they're taking them away slowly because if they take them away all at once, we'll notice. But if they put up a camera here and a camera there and they say that we can't say this and we can't listen to this after this time and we can't do this and you have to have a license to do that or a permit to do that. Um, if, if they do it that way, then one day we just wake up and we don't have those rights anymore. And that is, is kind of the way that they're doing it. Um, so that sacrifice, you know, just stand up and yell if you're fucking pissed at something, you know, call your congressman, call the house of representatives, let your neighbor know you don't have to take a lot of action. Take some. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to re recently. So like, I, I can't divide part of the, the, the reason why I brought up the what happened at the end of Martin Luther King's life is because in, in, and you could uh, another way of people that sacrificed, you know, at the early part of the 20th century were people that were in 
you know, the sweatshops, that you know, the jungle, and uh, people that organized. Uh, it, Just to clarify, you mean the the jungle the book the, yeah substance and clarity yes that's what i'm okay that's what I'm i i yeah. just wanted to make sure yes. that we weren't talking about an actual jungle yeah, no, so you want the slaughterhouses not, in chicago yeah we are not welcoming to the, to the jungle baby so <laughs> but uh i mean people ton of people died during that time period to 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 what to create the position for organized labor to 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 emerge um and uh it's not just it's not just civil liberties that are being done done away with. I mean, uh, when you started to see the the changing of industry, and this is something we kind of touched about a little bit on the on, on in the last uh, in the last segment. But when industry started to open up and it went to Mexico, when it went to Southeast Asia, uh, these the organized labor got decimated, right? So I mean. I just I don't think the reason why I pair them these 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 needs for uh, financial or for uh, for economic power is is that I think that uh, civil rights like to be meaningful it has to be teamed with these other spaces otherwise it's just sort of like uh, uh, mental masturbation a lot of the times like you're doing it I mean having said that like I you know um, what Julian Assange did when he published all the things that he published that got him into so much trouble to land him in the Ecuador embassy for seven years and essentially been, uh, I mean, that's, that, that, it, it's, it's, it's odd because you're talking about a civil liberties issue where a guy has been charged with a U.S. crime that should only, the Espionage Act, which should only be applied to U.S. citizens. The guy is an Australian citizen who had residency in Sweden, if I'm not incorrect. And, uh, he has no responsibility to the U.S. state, but because of the way that he published all the things that happened in Iraq, too, that were so, I mean, the, uh, the, the people that were bombed in the street, the, the uh, reporters and the, the, the Iraqi civilians um, on, that, on that video, I can't remember what it was called, um, but uh, just, just, just devastating. But uh, so the right, the right got pissed off and on that, and then he published all the shit with regards to the the Podesta emails going into the 2016 election. So then the left got pissed. So nobody wants to, nobody wants to honor the concept of civil liberties for this individual who's essentially just practicing the the, the right to uh, freedom of press at that point in time. Um, and he's not even a U.S. citizen. And he's essentially gonna, I mean, so these things are drying up. I mean, there's there, there's no doubt about it. But it's in a weird way where like, it's not just you know you, you can't think about the United States as a container. Where it's just the citizens here that are that are being pounded. I mean, if somebody's outside of it and we get pissed off at them, we do something like we're doing to him, which is just supremely odd. Like, you know, it's it's kind of funny because we have. I, I'm going to call it an act. It's not really an act, but we have this the whistleblower and. And they say that they encourage you to blow the whistle if you see something wrong, you know, whether it's government spending or somebody's using information in a way that they're not supposed to or, or whatever. We're supposed to blow the whistle. And, and there are rewards that are, are given um, depending on what the outcome is of, of your whistleblowing. But... 
I wouldn't want to blow the whistle because of what happened to, to Julian Assange. Um, or Chelsea Manning or any number of yeah, other people. Yeah, there's, there's no way that I would blow the whistle because then you just end up on another fucking report somewhere, another watch list where you're trouble, you know, for whatever group that you blew the whistle on or any group because of the fact that you blew the whistle on one. And, and believe me, I'm not one of those guys that is a tattletale. Um, I, I don't think that, that you should do that, but we grew up in an environment that demanded certain sensibilities <laughs> that you don't generally tell on people. That's just, that's just life. But that's different than when you're talking about, you know, the things that Assange and, and, and Manning were talking about when, when they came forward. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like I consider myself to be, a conservative when it comes to fiscal situations. But when I say that, I'm talking about government spending, not my own wallet, because, you know, I don't have any savings. I spend money like crazy, but it's my fucking money. When they spend taxpayer money and spend $600 on an ashtray and $1,200 on a wrench, that's stupid. And I'm conservative when it comes to government spending. Um, I'm also a liberal when it comes to rights. You know, people should be able to do whatever the fuck they want whenever they want. Uh, we're all we're all grownups, and if we have kids, we're the ones that should take care of our kids, not the government. And again, I don't want to go off on, on too much of a tangent, but I'm just saying that those are things that you could blow a whistle on, you know, government spending, um, things that are, are going out of control. And that's a way that you could hold these people accountable. So if you are not a believer in snitches get stitches, then blow a whistle on a motherfucker <laughs> if you know that they're doing something wrong. Well, I, I, honestly, like I, I think it's a, a total apples and oranges thing. Like inside of the government, when you have, particularly with the military, when they're doing some really, really questionable shit, sometimes, since, and it, like in the wake of 9-11, you know, with, with, with the advent of the Homeland Security and, and Patriot Act, we all, we all knew in that moment, I mean, if you really were honest with yourself, you all knew what was happening. You knew that there were, being, there were people that were being tortured that didn't belong being tortured. There were, there were a lot of things that were happening that uh, were incredibly questionable. And to, to not come forward in that moment, I think that's quite a bit different than the old snitches get stitches kind of thing. I mean, that's your, the, the, people who were, the people who utilize those arguments as a way of perpetrating a position to protect their own long-term uh, oil investments – those people are, need to get narked on. They need to get pounded, like, you know, for forever. So Forever. Forever. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know where we kind of took that, that side road. <laughs> um, Sacrifice. And, and I don't know necessarily how to circle back around to the the sacrifice thing i know we were talking about julian assange well we were yeah we were talking about the the withering of our rights slowly um as opposed to all at once and and you used julian as an example of that um which was a big ass sacrifice i mean he's he's gonna he'll probably even if he doesn't if he gets out of if he gets out of jail tomorrow he will never be mentally okay ever 
even if he doesn't die, he's going to be fucked in his head for the rest of his life. I can't imagine what it's like being stuck in a room for seven years, then be put in a British prison for four years, and having to think about being extradited to the United States every day and knowing exactly what's going to happen the second that you get here, where you get uh, Epstein's, you know, like you just get disappeared five seconds after you get here. Because don't don't be confused. They, they might hold him here forever because of the fact that he's so high profile. But the, the more probable outcome would be that they would send an incredible message to anyone inside of the journalistic communities and inside of the spaces where they have the ability to leak that information to the journalistic communities so that everybody knows clearly what's going to happen, the consequences are. Sorry. Well, no, in, in theory, though, I mean, if they really wanted to disappear him, they could disappear him. They, they have that power to do that regardless of what country or what prison he's in. Of course, of course. Um, they're, they're good at black bagging people. Um, you know, lots and lots of people have disappeared or died mysteriously. Um, he, he would be an odd high profile one to do it because of the way that people look at him with regards to, I mean, you like, cause the, the Obama administration, they wouldn't, they wouldn't put the, uh, the charges on it. It wasn't until, until uh, uh, Trump came right. in, that that they actually put the charges on him, and that of course Biden is continuing on with that legal, uh, that the same persecutory position. So, um, but the reason why Obama did it, he, he came out and said clearly. He says if if we do this, then anybody, we we could literally have half the New York Times going to jail tomorrow. You know, I mean, so I don't know. I don't. Maybe yes, maybe no. Well, again, I mean, so, but I mean, what was his name? The dude that they uh, used the umbrella to kill him? He was oh, a Russian. I, I, I saw this, yes. Um, they used that little teeny fucking thing that they put in the calf of his leg. That's where the whole black umbrella, like, uh, like conspiracy stuff grew out of, right? I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Listen maybe. It. It's hilarious. Um... um, we can kill a guy with the tip of an umbrella um, and they didn't know how he died or why he died for a really long fucking time so getting rid of any one person at any time is not something that the United States would be afraid to do there's a difference between doing it to do yeah, the reason I don't know his name is because it happened fucking 80 years ago or longer. And, and you think that he was a household name, you know, in the 40s? He was then, I think. I'm, 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 I'm just going to say that I'm a healthy skeptic right now, at the, very, at the very least. Okay, so Brian's going to, he's going to see if he can find that, and uh, we're going to uh, continue to meditate on the concept. Um, but either way, I mean, they can definitely disappear people. And now they have better shit. Okay, maybe not. His name was, and he was a Bulgarian writer. His name was Georgi Markov. Markov. So what was the year? What was the year? Uh, 1978. Okay. Two years before I was born. Or after I was born. Oh, I had one other correction. I said I was 47 in the last episode. I don't know how I said that. I'm 46. Math is hard. Hard. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so I mean, they can definitely kill people and have killed people. So it's and will continue to kill people. Not not a not I mean, a real I, big deal. I, I I just used Epstein as a verb. 
right? I mean, so, and that's pretty present. You know? I'm surprised they didn't kill his female counterpart, to be perfectly honest with you. But. Um, so, I, I don't know. We've been talking for 30 minutes, and, and I know we said that the topic was sacrifice, and, and I think we really did lay into the sacrifice thing hard, but I started talking about, you know, doing something with your civil liberties, voting, whatever, because of the sacrifices people have made in the past, um, and, and utilize these things before they go away. I don't know. I mean, I can think of a bunch of people that have done sacrifices either here or globally, you know, for one thing or another. I mean, we've got streets named after them. Um, there's an entire song called Nelson Mandela. Um, so historically these people have done a lot of things you know i'm not a big union guy but darren talked about the unions um personally i think these days unions are just kind of out for themselves not their members i think that they want to get their dues weekly because you know depending on the size of the union the the president wants to make a shitload of money and and could care less what is happening with the miner or the, the American postal worker, the American postal worker, <laughs> the guy that is, the woman who is stitching stuff together for whatever. And, and honestly, you know, most manufacturing is in Mexico, Laos, Taiwan, Bangladesh, Vietnam. somewhere else. Um, because unions made things too expensive for manufacturing here. Um, and that goes for auto manufacturing, too. The only reason that the cars that are made here are made here is because they managed to talk the contract down or they built the factory and that's not union. Um, I know Tennessee is a big state where they make a lot of cars now. Um, a lot of the states down south where they were having, call it, economic issues, Um might be doing better now that that manufacturing has has come back in and now you know maybe that middle class can be rebuilt i don't know we'll we'll see what happens in 20 say years I'm skeptical about that too just just for the record believe me i'm i'm skeptical i'm just telling you that they're there now having said that though i agree with your point about unions right now now that it's moved to it like a strict like broken down by industry or broken down by like at the post office we have four different unions uh, we don't work together if you're going to effectively try to come up against transnational capital the next sacrifice that people are going to have to make is understanding the way that that system's reproducing itself and quit again in this i know i come at you a lot but i do agree with your divide and conquer argument obviously like uh if uh if you don't stand together transnational capital they don't they don't care where you come from. They just, as long as you speak their language and you're helping them make more money, then they're gonna, they're gonna subscribe to your position. So, as a postal worker who is a member of a union, I, uh, I have become increasingly skeptical of the way that the unions exist presently as well. Yeah, you know, maybe that's what we should talk about now. I mean, because we know, and hopefully, our listeners know who 
has made sacrifices for them in the past, but maybe we can talk about how we can make sacrifices for the future. And they don't have to be big sacrifices. You know, I'm not talking about losing a fucking digit um, or, or losing your life. Um, but, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you might do to help keep a hold of what it is you've got and or change things to see what you want? Well, personally, I might participate in a podcast and have some conversations about uh, where it is that we're at, where we've been, and where we might be going, and talk about things that are generally speaking uncomfortable. Because the fact of the matter is, if you do that, you're gonna you're gonna subject yourself to certain kinds of scrutiny. You know that that is a sacrifice that uh, that's out there. That, that there are always poten- potential uh, consequences for people that do things like this. So of course, people have to start listening first. So. Well, and that was kind of the the freedom of speech thing that I was talking about. You know, there are little things that that people can do um, just to to yell. Um, and and I'm I'm right there with you. That's one of the reasons that I thought that the podcast would be a really neat idea. Um, neat. But I, I don't know. Well, I, I know there's a lot of other stuff I, I could be doing. I kind of relaxed from writing everybody letters um, and and telling them what I thought they should do. But it's funny when you do that, you get, the, uh, you get that like totally ridiculous scripted response you know i mean oh no it's all it's all out of a can it it is all out of a can because you know everybody fucking loved sanders everybody oh sanders and i thought how the fuck is he planning on doing any of these things any of these outlandish things that he's talking about doing how is he gonna do it because anybody can stand on a stump and say, well, I'm going to get rid of the fucking lower class or I'm going to give everyone a million and a half dollars and you're going to get some sort of response and people are going to be impressed. And I'm not saying Sanders said any of that stuff. I love, yeah, I love your use of hyperbole just for the record. But anybody could stand on a stump and say that. So I actually put a letter together and I said, look, how are you going to do this and this and this? And all I got back was a letter that said, thank you for your support. I didn't support the motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know where they got that in my letter. You, I mean, obviously your point is you, you, you can't you can't put a, a, a health care for all. Uh, bill into place unless you have I mean there are a ton of things you have to have Congress on your side for but he there are definitely things he could have done through executive order he could have decriminalized drugs he could have done that through executive order he could have wiped student debt away through an executive order there were things that he could he could have done but having said that I get your bigger point there I mean it like it's it's it becomes kind of obnoxious when a person's standing there and sort of like uh, uh, making all these uh, establishing these rhetorical positions that play into your emotions of course yeah these are all things that we want. That sure would benefit me, you know, but you have to, there has to be sort of a practical, a practical space. That's why I get more critical of just thinking about voting because I mean, like 
yeah, we're the 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 we're gridlock world that we're in. But again, that's now we're, now we get I got to digress back to to sacrifice and whatnot. Well, no, and I I understand your your point, and you know maybe that's a fucking interesting thing too is these guys, whether we're talking about Sanders or or Trump or Obama or Romney or Clinton or whoever. And, and that goes for Hillary and Bill. Maybe they had other ideas. Okay. And, and I know for sure Romney did because when he ran for president the first time, he said one thing. And when he ran the second time, he said something entirely different. And so these guys are sacrificing things that I think are important to them in order to either garner support from whatever group, the DNC or the GOP, or maybe even to get more votes from the, the public at large. And I don't know if that's right, because just to say something in order to get a vote or support from your group if it is actually going against what it is you believe, then I'm not sure that that's the right type of sacrifice that we're we're talking about. But how do you even? I mean, like I look at, like I yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but like I look at, I don't even know, like if I could actually strip all the bullshit off of Romney. And, like, really understand what went on in that dude's head. I mean, the only thing you can do, kind of like we were talking about last time, you can look at his policy positions over the course of time. Because generally speaking, if he's writing something and if he gets it in the law, those are things that he actually supports. You see who it is that's funneling money to him. You see what it is that he constructs. You see what it is that he does. But I'm not certain that other than just uh, looking out for himself and looking out for a specific demographic, I, I don't think that Romney believes – in anything. Well, again, of all the Mormon religion. When we look at who's funneling money to these people, I mean, the big money players funnel to both. I mean, period. Yes. They give money to Obama, they give money to Trump, they give money to Clinton and Bush. They they give money to both because you want to hedge your bets, and what difference? They didn't descend. Just so two hundred thousand dollars. Just started with that. He didn't. He didn't take any of that money. So, oh well, good for him. Well, I think that's an important thing to consider, though, right? I mean, you like if you're saying that a person's going to sacrifice certain things as a politician to try to draw people into their space. If a person cuts off a certain financial space. Then at least, I, I, like I'm saying, I don't know. Like I, even if I strip them down, I can't tell who they are. But I think generally speaking, if you talk to Bernie Sanders, what was unique about him, even though he didn't have a real practical uh, plan forward, was that he was who he said he was. Well, so you're saying he didn't take super PAC money, or are you saying he didn't, he didn't take, any take he money? Didn't, he, didn't take, he didn't take any corporate money at all. Any corporate money. That, I mean, that's that's well documented. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll stand by that for. No, that's you know, fine. I'm not arguing with you. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, he he took money from only from private citizens. Okay. 
You, no, you, that's you, good to know. You have an incredibly skeptical look on your face. <laughs> I mean, you, but you get my you get my point. Like, no, you, I I am skeptical uh, of the whole thing. I mean, <laughs> I uh, find it hard to believe because you need money to run a race. Okay, be be skeptical all you want. I mean, but if you find out that I'm wrong, which you're not going to do. Then we can do it. We can do no, that. No, I'm not. I'm not even going to look because I trust you. I believe you. But if I'm wrong, I'd rather you tell me. Honestly, I'd ra- if if I'm wrong, I'd rather you tell me. I mean, if you find something, I'd rather you tell me. But he he like that was part of his platform. Is is that I don't take any corporate money. Right. But there's a different. Okay. We, 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 I, don't wanna, <laughs> I, I would rather stick to the subject. Right. But but I do think that no matter what, the way that he conducted himself in relation to his financial positions was quite a bit more genuine than those other hacks. Like I said, I, I agree with your critique of his, uh, like what is whatever his strategic road for would have been, of course. Like he didn't have anywhere near the, the and even if he got the congressional position to, to flow in the direction he wanted it to, some motherfucker would have come and taken it from the Supreme Court. You know, if you have a conservative court, they're going to strike the shit down. You know, I mean, you have three branches of government. You know, you have to work with them all to make shit happen. That's the way shit works. That's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Works-ish, you know. We, we, we know there's some, there's some issues. Absolutely. So, definitely with regard to politics and, and the way that we started this whole thing, there are good sacrifices and and bad sacrifices um as far as i'm concerned any sacrifice that can be made that puts us in a better place is a good sacrifice okay define that what's a better place well and see that's part of the problem is that that better place is going to be different for Mitt Romney than it is for me. Um, That's why I like you. Personally, for me, a better place is one, a place where we are able to do what it is that we want to do with regard to education or work without well that's kind of a cheesy answer okay so a better place is where we live in a place where you don't have to work three jobs to barely pay your rent and you can afford to live and eat still having some, you know, free time without breaking your fucking back. I think at least that's a start, you know, things and and you can say that it's inflation. You can say that it's, cost of living increases, it's all of these other things. People would say that it's capitalism, but it's not capitalism because if you put a fucking glove on the invisible hand, then it's no longer capitalism. It's 
this weird fucking you, manipulation. If you put a glove on your invisible hand. <laughs> then it's Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, so I, I would like us to be able to live and and not have to struggle as much as as we do um because you know a house is 1.2 million dollars when in all actuality it's it's worth a third of that um and, and the only well, I, I don't want to get into housing and shit right now and, and cost of living, but especially since value is not objective anyway. So it's it's a different it, anyway, I just don't want everybody to struggle as much as, as they do. I would like to be able to level the playing field to some degree. In total. I mean it's everybody participating in yeah. this space. I mean to, to bring it back to the concept of sacrifice, like I Obviously, we can go down that, you know, what is good, you know, that's a different rabbit hole. We could go down forever. But if everybody has access to these things, if it's if it's available, if, if, a, if a person can, you know, the whole eight hours of work, eight hours of pay, you go, you do this, it, it provides you with the opportunity, everybody the opportunity to have a generally speaking decent life where you can imagine some sort of uh, leisure time on the side, you know, to where you can have a family life. Yeah, these, these are generally speaking things that I could... I can I can get on I can get on board with, but uh, I think probably for that to happen, there's going to have to be a lot more sacrifice that's going to have to go on. Fucking a. And again, I'm too old and too fat to fight anymore. So hopefully, you younger people listen and take heed in what I'm saying. Take heed. Take heed. Um, you feel like wrapping this yeah, up, or yeah, you want to keep pretty, going? I think we're pretty much. <laughs> all right guys um once again gals guys people not non-binary yeah they as it were as it is they, as it shall be them <laughs> um yep, sensitivity <laughs> yeah that was the <laughs> The Short Bus Debate Club. I'm Brian Courtney. I'm Darren Jolly. Uh, 720-334-ROLL. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk again soon.